to say the least, we weren't prepared for it. And it's encouraging to see that the discourse within all levels of government are now turning towards housing supply, and in particular, rental housing supply. And how can we align policy goals on immigration with the ability to actually construct new housing at, at a pace that can satisfy that demand? Hello, and welcome to Sink or Swim, a weekly podcast brought to you by RentSync where we take a deep dive into the prop tech, multifamily, and rental housing industry. In each episode, we uncover the technologies and strategies used to help overcome operational challenges and increase the value of your multifamily investments. So let's get into our conversation today. Welcome to another episode of Sink or Swim, the podcast where we navigate the currents of the rental housing industry. I'm your host, Giacomo Lattice, and today we're gonna take a retrospective look back at 2023 where we try to understand and rationalize the rental trends that we saw across Canada. Now, Rentals.ca and Urban Nation's National Rent Report is the leading source for consumers, policymakers, renters, and landlords to really understand rental trends across the country. We have some really good guests today who are instrumental in putting that report together. So joining me today, we have David Isakoff, Product Manager of Data Services at RentSync, Max Steinman, the CEO at RentSync, and Sean Hildebrand, President at Urban Nation. Gentlemen, thank you all for joining the show today. It's a pleasure. Of course. Thanks of course. So us. let's start with the big topics. So over the past year, Canada consistently, we saw that it hit new records for the average cost of rent quite consistently. But recently, there seems to be some slowdown and even some decreases in some of Canada's largest cities like Toronto and Vancouver. So maybe to start things off, we'll kind of start with the overall rental trends of the increases that we saw consistently. So Maybe we can start with any guys surprised by the consistency of the new rental trends that we hit this year, where every month it seemed like we were hitting a new record pretty consistently from the spring and summer. Yeah, I can say from my perspective, we began with exceptionally strong rent growth in the double digits. Now, part of that was some growth that was coming off of some decreases that were occurring during COVID. So at least part of the increase can be attributed to a, a recovery. But as we kind of progressed through 2023, we were seeing strong double-digit growth on already record highs from a year ago. So it wasn't just recovery. This was real double-digit growth that was happening. It was surprising to see that growth sustained pretty much throughout the year. We began the year with annual growth just above 10%, ended the year or we're ending the year with annual growth just under 10%. So I think when you're when you look at 2023 as a whole, you'll find that the average asking rent was up by about 9%. And that's coming off of growth in 2022 that averaged 11%. By all accounts, a better than expected year for rent growth. We were projecting some moderation, particularly towards the second half of this year, as you know, the market started to normalize to a degree. But it remained remarkably strong pretty much throughout the entirety of 2023. And we're beginning 2024 on, I think, a pretty strong note as well. But as you mentioned, there are some signs that some slowdown is beginning to occur, particularly in the most expensive big cities in Toronto and Vancouver. So interestingly, we expected this year to have pretty strong maintained rent growth. We saw what happened last year, and we saw that the demand for housing really wasn't slowing down. We knew that 
2023, we had record immigration as of, you know, recent history, recent memory. And 2023, all it really did was it just exaggerated the trends that we saw the previous year. We came in, as Sean was saying, expecting more moderate rent increases. It's not typical that you see month over month rent increases, annual rent increases that are, you know, six plus percent. Last year certainly was outside of the norm, but obviously that was a year of recovery. 2021, we saw rents that were in decline. We saw right up until July 2021, year over year, rent declines. And then after that, it just continued to go to grow. Sean said just before we started recording that in 2022, it was astronomical. We saw near you know, vertical growth. And we didn't see that as really being sustainable. But ultimately, with continued strong migration, with continued net provincial migration, which, again, just threw another wrench in the works, uh, we saw pretty strong continued growth. Interestingly, we actually had two defined peaks in annualized growth this year and in around March, June, and then again, another one in around September, just over 10%. I think the few things that really kind of surprised to the upside this year, looking back on kind of the factors that drove rent inflation higher than expected, it was certainly a massive surge in non-permanent residents. I don't think anybody was expecting the numbers that we received this year in terms of foreign students and temporary workers that were coming into the country, almost all of which rent. So they're going directly into the rental market. And as we all know, we have a supply constrained rental market. So this has a immediate impact on rents. I'd say as well, the economy held up better than expected. I think as we kind of entered 2023, there was a general expectation that the economy was going to slow down, perhaps a recession. And with higher levels of unemployment, generally, you start to see some softening in the rental market, but that didn't occur. And as well, well, I think most people thought that with the big jump in interest rates, we would begin to see some deflation in housing prices. We saw that to, to an extent, but housing prices have largely held up better than expected this year. So there wasn't much reprieve for first-time buyers to enter into the market. In fact, it just continued to get more and more expensive if you factor in, in mortgage interest costs. So I think all of those sort of things put more demand into the rental market than we originally expected. And interestingly, this happened at the same time as uh, rental housing completions in Canada have reached multi-decade highs. So it, it just kind of shows you that despite the fact that we're building more rentals today than we've built since the 1970s, 1960s, the record levels of population growth that we're experiencing are showing us that uh, that supply at these levels is still, is still insufficient to satisfy growth and demand. That last point is an excellent one in that if we see any interruption in those completions, which is a possibility because many of the, call it early pandemic uh, construction projects experienced a lot of delays. And, and those would be some of the projects we see perhaps coming to a state of completion in the next you know, year or two. If we experience that dip, it may actually create another surge or, or period of uh, a surge because we'll just be falling further behind from a, a supply standpoint. Yeah, I completely agree on that point. I think the market still sees more supply entering through 2024, just if you look at the number of units that are under construction as rentals and condos for that matter, understanding that a lot of condos end up as rentals. You know, we'll see a pretty, pretty good number of deliveries over 2024 and into 2025 as well. But to your point, Max, given what's happened to rental construction starts more recently, particularly in, in big cities like Toronto and Vancouver, you know, as we look a few years down the road, 
those completion numbers are going to start to drop off a cliff, you know, not just from purpose-built rental construction, which was seeing meaningful progress prior to the increase in interest rates. Since that time, we've seen a big drop in rental construction, uh, but as well, secondary supply that comes from condo investors. Urbanation tracks pre-sale condos in the GTA, and, you know, we're seeing sales levels in 2023 that are going to be at their lowest in 15 years. So if that supply isn't pre-selling, it's not going to start construction next year, and then it's not going to be delivered a few years from now. Um, so the disruption on the supply front is going to be very significant. It might not show up next year, it might not show up the year after, but certainly in a few years, we know that we're going to be dealing with an even stronger supply shortage if we don't see things turn around very quickly. So one of the elephants in the room that we haven't really touched on yet, which has been pretty large uh, driving factor behind the growing cost of rent really is just the cost of living crisis, the housing affordability crisis, the growing cost of you know every good in, in this country. Alongside with that, we have the growing cost of rent. And of course, you know, raising interest rates do have an impact on that. But because we're seeing so many people simply just being priced out of you know the housing market, unfortunately, even though we did expect a little bit of tempering in the rental market, given the fact that you know interest rates are going up and we expected a little bit of cooling because we're actually seeing so many more people now being driven into the, the rental market as their only viable opportunity of housing in this country. Again, we're seeing more and more demand being posed. Sean, do you have any opinions or ideas on you know, the impact that we might have or the, the results that we might see later in 2024 when these reduced housing starts now start to really show in new supply coming to market, you know, combined with the fact that not only are we, you know, more people coming into this market, a lot of those people who actually need to rent, but we have people that would have otherwise graduated up to home ownership and are now just relegated. They're stuck in place. Their their only option now is just to continue renting. That's one of the bigger shifts that we've seen in recent years. It's that the home ownership rate is declining, as you mentioned. Most of the housing demand that's being formed in Canada is actually on the rental side. The problem is that most of the housing that we build is still on the ownership side. So rental construction is about 40% of total housing completions in the country. It's even less some of the big cities like Toronto, but the demand is very strongly on the rental side. Now, to be fair, these rental percentages have risen from where they were 10 years ago. We've seen very meaningful progress on the rental construction front. And I think that's important to point out, right? The government has put forward some encouraging new policies to try to raise rental construction. So obviously, back in 2018, the removal of rent control for new builds had a very positive effect. More recently, the removal of, of HST for new builds in Ontario. We've heard from a number of developers that plan on now pulling the trigger on some new rental projects that were kind of in limbo because of high costs. These are all very positive factors. And obviously the federal government is investing a ton of money into helping to finance new rental construction. So that, that will go a long way, but I think the economics are still quite fragile. So rental costs of construction have increased, you know, by, by some estimates, by upwards of 50% in the last few years. Now rents are, are rising, um, but certainly they haven't increased to the same extent as costs. So a lot of the construction that's stalling out, unfortunately, is happening in some of the more affordable markets, like the 905 region of the GTA, for instance, has seen rental construction drop to a more than two year low. And, you know, these are parts of the, the market where we need to see more supply because they enter in at a lower price point. And 
you know, the, the average rent in the GTA is, is, is around $3,000 a month. If you look at Vancouver, it's well over $3,000 a month. When you're building new rental supply in some of these centers, it comes in at a, at a price level that a lot of the population can't simply afford. So, you know, seeing more rental construction happening in less expensive markets was a positive trend. And unfortunately, the economics are just much more fragile on those markets. So we're seeing construction pull back. So we'll see. I think the slowdown in rental construction isn't necessarily going to have an impact on rents this year or next year because those completions won't happen for a couple of years, a few years, just because it's taking longer and longer for projects to reach occupancy. Uh, But certainly the demand story seems to be quite positive as we move into 2024. You know, there's an expectation that we'll see some interest rate reductions, but not, not a lot. They'll still stay pretty elevated. Population growth should remain pretty close to what it's been. Canada has the fastest growing population in the G7, one of the top 20 fastest growing countries in the world, in fact, right now. I think that's probably going to continue for the foreseeable future. There may be some, you know, policies that come in that try to put some caps on foreign students and things like that. But certainly the federal government has very aggressive immigration plans for the next several years, and that'll feed into high levels of population growth. And there's not going to be much of a change in housing affordability, particularly on ownership housing. So in that regard, you'll see a greater proportion of the population continue to rent. Same story we've been seeing for a number of years where there's just not enough supply to satisfy that demand. It's something that I'm particularly curious in in tracking over the next few quarters is how does demand actually respond to um, the continuing shortfall in supply and also just the, as a result as well, the increased prices, because something's got to give, you know, you can't go through the top right corner of the graph forever and ever. You know, the thing that can respond faster than obviously building enough (laughs) housing, which is a potentially a multi-decade initiative is the demand side of the equation. And at what point is there less desire to immigrate to Canada or to come as a foreign student when the affordability is just such a difficult challenge? I think it's possible, and I only say possible because it will require a lot more data over the next several quarters to to start to firm this up, both from like the immigration numbers, the application numbers. But I think it's possible that in some of the major city centers, there is going to be some softening of demand in favor of other uh, secondary markets. If you take Toronto as an example, if you're a foreign student and you're thinking U of T or you're thinking McMaster and Hamilton and the difference in rent is potentially a thousand or fifteen hundred dollars a month, like that could very much become a factor in, in your decision making, you know, which which could lead to a leveling off um, in rents uh, or maybe just not as as aggressive price growth as we've seen over the last couple of years. It's something I'm definitely interested in looking at and diving deeper into this year. I think that's going to be a really telling story. Something's got to give, like it, it can't keep going. Like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss an episode by clicking the subscribe button now. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. Now let's get back to the show. Yeah, Max, let's go off that point a little bit. You know, something's got to give, softening demand. Like, 
I was really surprised in the last round report. I'm sure you guys probably were too putting it together, but we're actually starting to see some slowdowns and decreases in rental costs in Canada's largest cities, right? Like Toronto. So, you know, usually that whole thing when Toronto kind of leads the rest of Canada off when trends happen there, right? So when you were talking about the softening of demand and leveling off rents, do you see that it's already started now? Is that what you're assuming that these price decreases are? Or is it just seasonal trends that we're seeing right now? Well, I I don't think it's seasonal because we're looking at a year over year number. So, you know, there is a possibility that you have kind of artificial surges year over year, and probably it's better to look now over a quarter to see if that normalizes the number a little bit more. But I do think there's a real possibility that the highest rent rate markets, which are Toronto and Vancouver, are kind of hitting a point, uh, just like a, <laughs> a point where it just doesn't make as much sense to go move there. There's probably a multitude of factors. Like young adult, typically you would have moved out of your house with your parents. Maybe you're just not right now. If you're a foreign student um, and you're thinking about where to come and study in Canada, maybe you're just picking a different market. If you're you know, a baby boomer and on the older side of the cohort, which, you know, the baby boom population now, I think the, the eldest baby boomers are like 77 years old. It's not the largest part of the cohort, but it's still a consideration. You know, are, are these folks who they do have a higher home ownership rate, but are people moving back in with their kids and a lot of cultures that's very normal? Like there's just, you, you reach a point <laughs> where rents are so, so expensive that people start making sort of alternative decisions and I, I wonder if we've reached that point. No crystal ball, though. There's no way to know for sure. Um, and I think we need to see it trend out a, a little bit further. Yeah, just to add to that, I think we did see rents rise exceptionally quickly during the late spring and into the summer months, which coincided with the surge in, in foreign students that typically come into Canada's big cities during that period of time to secure rental accommodations ahead of the fall term. That surge was much bigger than normal and units were staying on the market for a very short period of time. A lot of them were going in bidding wars. It was probably the part of the market with the shortest amount of supply that I've, I've ever seen, just based on how much demand was coming in at that particular period of time. So rents rose extremely quickly in a very short period of time, probably were overextended. So after the summer season, it's not unusual to see rents decline later in the fall and through the winter. To Max's point, the decline that we're seeing now over the last few months is probably more than just seasonal. It does feel like rents have come off more than they typically do at this period of time. But I think some of that is just giving a bit back to the market from that exceptional run-up that happened during the summer. But as well, I completely agree with rents as high as they are in Canada's big cities, you start to see renters do some substituting. So they're, they're moving into less expensive markets, whether that be in some of the surrounding cities of Toronto and Vancouver, for example, or moving out west to, to markets like Calgary in Edmonton, uh, which are uh, the fastest appreciating rental markets in the country. And, you know, it, it used to be the case that people would move out to Calgary or Edmonton or even out east at certain periods of the economic cycle 
for jobs because they had they had they had more job opportunities. But low unemployment is pretty prevalent across the country. You can find a job pretty much anywhere in Canada. People are moving because of housing affordability. They can't find a home that's affordable for them in, in Toronto. And they're saying, you know, I'm going to pack up and move out there where I can save, you know, half my rent on moving out to some of these other cities. And, you know, it's unfortunate, you, you know, if you look at some of the rental costs in Toronto, you used to be able to afford or, or used to be able to rent a studio for fourteen or $1,500 a month. You know, one bedroom was, was $1,900 a month not that long ago. Now a studio can run you $2,500 a month. A one bedroom can get you close to $3,000 a month. A two bedroom is getting close to $4,000 a month. So even with people doubling up and getting roommates and, and doing other things like that to try to save on costs, it's still very difficult. Whereas if you moved out to Calgary, you know, you're, you're saving 50% and you're probably earning an income that's the same, maybe even higher than what you would get in Toronto. So the, the proposition is quite attractive. It's something that I think the market's going to continue to deal with in 2024. I don't necessarily think that rents will decline in Toronto next year. They're showing some marginal year-over-year declines, uh, depending on what measures you look at. They're either up by a little bit, flat, or maybe down by a little bit. But I, I think structurally, you know, the market is so undersupplied and demand is strong enough to continue to support rent prices where they are. But, you know, going back to that earlier point about just seeing some deflation from from rents getting pretty vertical during the summer period is not totally surprising, I would say. And it doesn't even need to be Calgary. It could be more local of a change as well, because we, we still are seeing the year over year trend on a lot of the GTA secondary markets showing like some really crazy results. Oakville, typically not a, <laughs> a market that you would escape to go find something more affordable, but still up like 16%. Mississauga on a one bedroom and Mississauga on a one bedroom, seven and a half percent and North York, eight and a half. So like still really strong rent growth year over year, just outside of the city. So people, yeah, they might be picking up and moving out West, but they also might just be picking up and moving, you know, five kilometers North <laughs> sort of thing. But I think that's all an excellent point that Sean brings up. And the question though is, there's this sort of population redistribution that fills in the gaps and equalizes rents perhaps across the country and, and sort of pulls them in closer together. What happens after that? <laughs> and I don't think we're hitting a point where you can't find markets uh, in Canada that have major universities that have a pretty you know great city atmosphere and great amenities, you know, we still have a few cities out there where it's a very high standard of life for somebody new coming to the country. But once those gaps sort of get plugged by these new trends and we don't keep up on the supply side, okay, then what? Will we actually just start to see Canada not be able to hit its numbers from an immigration target standpoint? Will we see foreign students just start to taper off because that's just the natural flow of, of demand. They have other choices, other countries to potentially go consider that provide an equal or close to equal education, but a much higher standard of living while studying, right? So I feel like we're in that phase where people are finding those unique opportunities, those cities like Ottawa is still relatively affordable and has several great universities that if you're a foreign student, you could go consider. So, you know, there's an example, but but even even that gap is closing up quickly. <laughs> People in Ottawa don't feel it's that affordable anymore, right? So, you know, touching on that 
whole idea of, uh, you know, communities that are being uplifted as people move to them. They see, you know, opportunities of affordability. They see, you know, lower cost of living. 2023 really was very much the year of out-migration, of redistribution. We saw secondary markets really pick up the slack. 2022, we saw a lot of renters return to primary markets. We saw renters come back to these large urban centers after, you know, post-COVID. 2023, we saw a lot of people just experience price frustration. They realize, you know what, it's just not worth it. I could potentially work hybrid. There's no reason for me to live in the city and pay, you know, 45% of my income potentially for rent. I'm better off moving further afield. That's unfortunately created, you know, more problems. We're seeing communities that were traditionally more affordable, right? Look at Barrie. 10 years ago, you would have never thought that Barrie, you know, one bed rents would be anywhere near $2,000. And you know, now look at where we are. The average one bed rent is right up there. We're, you know, we're seeing one bed condo rentals in uh, Innisfil, just south of uh, Barrie, priced at $2,100. You know, again, 10 years ago, completely out of the question. You know, I wouldn't have even thought it was possible, but unfortunately that's the way that it is. You know, as myself toward, you know, I'm towards the lower end or the younger end of the millennial spectrum. A lot of my friends have moved up to Innisfil, Barrie, Unfortunately, new market is a little too expensive, so everyone's going right past that. And that's it. Those were the closest opportunities for them to, you know, purchase a home. And even now, home prices there are accelerating. Even where else other communities are seeing a slowdown, these opportunities were, you know, you see a more affordability, people are still flocking to them. You know, on a national scale, yes, there are still regions in the country where you see lower cost of living, more affordable rents. Uh, but unfortunately, those typically come with, you know, more adverse weather conditions, right? In, in the prairies, rent's still affordable, more affordable, at least than it is in Ontario. Uh, if you move up to the Ring of Fire, sure, probably still more affordable up there. But there's not as much opportunity, certainly not as much, you know, of a demand for people to move up there. But, you know, that's really just looking at like the renter side. This year has really been interesting because I realize this is a bit of a departure, but we're seeing affordability and this cost of living crunch hit not just renters, but homeowners as well. So Sean alluded to the fact that we're seeing alternative opportunities really arising. You see people doubling up, you see people moving in. There have been many stories of people renting off living rooms or sectioning off areas in their apartments. But we're also seeing homeowners really adapt to this opportunity or the situation. We're seeing these sublet listings wherein homeowners are just coming to the realizing that they can't afford their mortgage anymore and they're putting up spare bedrooms for rent. And it's not just one bedroom or maybe a basement apartment. I'm talking about two or three bedrooms in a home all being rented out individually. We're seeing, and this is specifically being done in those larger urban markets and some of the outlying suburban communities that are right up against the boundary of the city. So most commonly we're seeing this in Toronto, in Vancouver, we're seeing in Montreal something really interesting wherein these really large, older apartments are now being subdivided. They're being you know, rented out as rooming houses or you know, faux rooming houses. Uh, people are just trying to make ends meet, whether it's taking advantage of the opportunity or just trying to you know, meet some sort of minimum. They're trying to take whatever they have and putting it out there on the market. Whereas a few years ago, really, this wasn't something that we saw. You saw duplexes, you saw triplexes, you might see a basement apartment, but now you're seeing a homeowner renting out all the available space in their home just to cover the cost of their mortgage. No, it's, it's interesting too, David, because this isn't really something where renters and landlords are one side and homeowners are on the other side. It's really something that's affecting, it seems like, all of them pretty collectively. And like when you see, even on rentals.save, with an increase of people renting out a room or a basement or a sublet, and when you, on top of that, 
add that places like out west, which are limiting people to have an Airbnb. And we're seeing that supply now come into the market as well because people are trying to fairly quickly offload these units that they can't use anymore for Airbnb. You figure that that increase of supply would really make a big difference. But I mean, CMHC, what do they say? Three and a half million new homes seem to be here by 2030. I don't even know if that's a possibility. Like it's three, four times the rate of building that Canada's ever done before. So I don't know how much more of, you know, adding Airbnbs into the market will help, but they will make a dent. But it's just the home ownership has a big part to play because, you know, you and me, David, are pretty close to the same age and people our age, you know, most of us are renters, wanting to get into the ownership market, but we're worried about an impending recession. We're worried about maybe the housing market crash. So we're just kind of staying put and then there's no turnover. And when everything has been going up with groceries and gas, everything's going up for our day-to-day lives, having rent be a consistent bill in your in your monthly expenses is an oddly comfort, comforting thing for people. However, when there's no turnover, right? We're seeing this and I'd love to get into the home ownership market, but until we really start seeing that increase in supply, I don't think we're going to really see a dent in it for, for quite a while. That's a good point. If you look at Ontario, obviously, most of the rental stock is is rent controlled. So your rent can only rise by the guideline amount each year. If it was built before uh, November 2018, which provides some certainty, I suppose, around rent increases and, and security of tenure. But there's not a lot of movement within the market as a result because there's nowhere really to move. Most of the time you'd see people move up into newer buildings, for instance, or move into the ownership market. Uh, That's not happening, obviously, because of what's happened to interest rates and and the fact that prices remain high. But uh, just as importantly, not that many new rentals being built. You know, in in Toronto, we're still building, you know, a fraction of the number of rentals that we should be. Um, So you're not seeing that filtering happening where tenants within the existing stock move up into the new stock or people in some cases, downsize from their home into the into the rental stock, new rental stock, and so there's there's just not much movement, much turnover happening, and it and it compounds the supply issue and creates a situation where rents will rise faster than they normally would. I found it interesting that in the latest CPI numbers, which are obviously Canada wide and do in- include a, a large proportion of the rental stock that is rent controlled, rents were up eight percent which was basically the same as the asking rent that we uh, reported through the rentals.ca report. Like these numbers are becoming aligned, which is, which is very interesting to see. Now there's certainly a lag between what we see in the rentals.ca data versus, you know, how, how eventually it feeds into the CPI data. But no matter what way you look at it, rents are growing at uh, one of the fastest rates in, in, in decades. So how sustainable is that? It's a tough situation all around. And if people aren't, aren't buying, Obviously, they're, they're, they're renting or they're moving back into the, with their parents or whatever they have to do. It's showing just how supply constrained the market is right now. And this population growth that we're experiencing, to say the least, we weren't prepared for it. And it's encouraging to see that the discourse within all levels of government are now turning towards housing supply and in particular rental housing supply. And how can we align policy goals on immigration with the ability to actually construct new housing at, at a pace that can satisfy that demand. For the first time that I've ever seen, there's actually more discussion happening on that front. And it, and it took lengthy meetings and a number of academic studies and, and, and calls from various economists to sort of highlight how undersupplied the housing market is, but in particular, the rental housing market to sort of get to us, get to where we are right now. But I think, I think we're finally starting to see 
some traction on the policy front to help uh, help encourage new rental housing and hopefully get more supply into the system sooner rather than later. I think that's the one positive because we've had a lot of these conversations through the last couple of years and they tend to come off you know, very pessimistic because the outlook is not great in terms of balance in the market and, and for say renters and affordabilities and for Canadians. But I definitely tend to agree with your last comment there, which is the last 12 months, the dominant topic in the media on domestic you know, reporting and domestic uh, issues has been rent and housing affordability, but actually rent at the center of it. And, and that's really unique. Like it's always like a number three or four issue. It's really felt like a number one issue. And of, of course, with like rentals.ca Urban Nation report, you know, we're right at the center of that. And of course, like all the lobbyist groups and associations have been doing an amazing job and, and their work is really starting to pay off, but also just the media coverage and the work that Sean and, and David Giacomo, who's on uh, television, you know, a couple times a week these days, like that's helping. It's not hurting. And, and it just seems like all of a sudden we are finally getting the attention of the federal government, which puts pressure uh, down the chain. And you see someone like Justin Trudeau, who's done a full 180 from housing is not federal responsibility to uh, appointing a new housing minister, Sean Frazier, who one may criticize that a lot of what he's doing is perhaps more PR driven, but there are some definite new creative solutions that have come into place even in the last four months, five months, GST, HST, just yesterday or two days ago, they announced a standardized housing template, which actually a lot of experts are saying will be helpful, not necessarily the be all end all, but will be helpful. You've got the loan program expanding. So on a positive note, we've got the attention of Canadians, we got the attention of the government, uh, governments. And like to me, that's what kind of is the one takeaway from 2023 that is that is positive which is okay let's see it, it will government intervention via policy on the supply side as well you're not hearing as much chattering about you know things like rent controls necessarily but on the supply side will government intervention play a much bigger part in the next couple years and then back to my point on population if the two things happen at the same time, if there's a bit of a response on the demand side um, because the government intervention has been a bit too late, um, it could the two things could line up to really uh, moderate rents. Also, couldn't, might not, uh, no crystal ball, but we are seeing softening in uh, applications for new immigrants to Canada, um, and so there's some leading indicators where maybe both those things kind of line up, and you know the 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 future is not necessarily as, as dire as, as it may well, seem. The one thing I've noticed too, especially throughout the year, is that you would think with rent increase we're seeing, it's it's a real like renter versus landlord, but it really does feel like renters understand that, you know, it's not the landlord's sole responsibility to make rent affordable for people across Canada. Their costs are also going up as well. And landlords understand the perspective of the renter as well. It really starts to feel like this is a real unified approach from both renters and landlords to really get aligned. I know, David, you talk about this all the time about having alignment through the federal government, the provincial, municipal, but also we now really have that with renters and landlords realizing that 
no one person's responsibility to to fix this. This has got to happen through true strategic alignment coming from the federal government to the provincial to municipal government. And that's how we're going to get through this. It's not by a quick fix or landlords saying, hey, we're going to reduce everyone's rent by 15%. We're sorry. That's not the way out of it. I don't think renters expect that either. So that's why we do these rent reports, right? It's to get attention of policymakers. It's to get attention of the government officials to really see what, what people are paying. That's the important thing, right? We did a renter survey this year as part of a political polling for the Toronto mayoral race. And in it, we asked a question to renters, which was like, on a scale of, you know, disagree to somewhat agree to, you know, strongly agree, their sentiment on rent control, renters sentiment on rent control. These were Toronto renters. It was surprising the result of that survey. And uh, it you would have expected for sure that Toronto renters would probably be 90 plus percent in favor of rent controls. But it wasn't that. I think it was hovering more around 50%. I don't know if you've got the numbers there, David, but but it wasn't 90 to 100%. It, it shows that there is an understanding of the market dynamics by renters. Perhaps just all this media coverage and attention that focuses more on supply is helping that. Anyways, I feel we have a responsibility, a collective responsibility as an industry to ensure that the right information gets out there um, and that people understand the market, the market dynamics at play. We saw that as well in Winnipeg when they, for 2024, they were removing, um, they, they set a limit when COVID started about rent increase can't go at all. And then they said 2024, we're going to increase rent by 3%. And just going through a reading, talking to people, Winnipeg renters get it. It's a 3%. That's not a lot. I'm sure their costs have gone up way more than that. So no, it's, it's good to see. And I, I think what's important is to take all this information and look to 2024. Based on your guys' insights or anything that you guys have really seen through 2022, 2023, what are we expecting for next year? Do you think that as we get into deeper into the winter months, maybe there's more decreases or a softening of rent increases? Do we still need a few more years to really correct the supply issue? Just you know, give some little foresight there for what renters and landlords can expect. Well, on the demand side, we're seeing that renters or renter demand really is continuing to trend as seasonality would imply downwards. If that persists, we're likely to see that continuing on through the winter months up until March, where it'll begin to trend upwards again or March through June. <clears throat> and if that's the case, then we're likely to continue to see rent really just a little more flat, slowing down, albeit with some of these markets that are continuing to show growth that is likely to persist. We are seeing that in a few markets that renters are exacerbated to an extent. They're submitting fewer leads per property, suggesting that although the people that are on market are still looking for units, they might be you know, looking at fewer properties potentially, whether that is because they're more price conscious or because they're simply being more selective. Uh, people are being just a little bit more picky and that's likely to <clears throat> persist in terms of its effect on price. I, I'm sure uh, Max and Sean might have uh, more to say about that. I think if you're a renter looking to get into the market, you should do it in the next few months, uh, particularly in markets like Toronto and Vancouver. You're seeing a very unique period where rents are softening, but the underlying structural story is not really changing. So you're, you're, you are seeing some temporary relief, but I, I do believe it's temporary. Factors that have been supporting demand are not going to change all that much next year. You know, you'll, you'll continue to see strong population growth. It may not be as as high as it has been in the last year or two, but certainly it will continue to be strong. 
the ownership market is going to continue to be very difficult for first-time buyers to enter. Certainly, there should be some reductions in interest rates, which may entice some people to move into the market, but prices will remain high for the most part. And mortgage carrying costs and qualification rates are still going to remain quite high. So there, there isn't going to be any, any material improvement in ownership affordability next year, which, which should need to support growth and rental demand. I think generally the economic consensus is for a soft landing in the economy. You know, we're seeing some edging up in the unemployment rate. Um, you know, income growth will start to moderate. You know, it won't be... Uh, um, you know, uh, as easy to find a job perhaps as, as it has been over the last couple of years. Maybe that'll take a bit of steam off of demand, but I, I think that the overall story doesn't change a whole lot. So in that regards, I expect the current trend towards moderating annual rates of rent growth to continue into 2024. We're kind of beginning the year at, let's say an 8% annual rate. I think we kind of end the year in sort of the, the mid to lower single digits. I don't see any markets posting a decline in rents next year. I think, you know, the story kind of remains the same where some of the more affordable markets, particularly those out West will continue to lead. And then the expensive markets like Vancouver and Toronto, they're, they're going to have to compete, be a little bit tougher to attract demand given how high costs have become in these markets. It's hard to argue with Sean or David's perspective. It sounds about right. It sounds like what to expect, but... The one thing in 2024 that I'm really going to be looking at, is it possible that the fundamentals will change? And it's highly improbable, if not impossible, that the supply side fundamentals are going to change in the next year or two. It just won't happen. So I'm going to be looking for trends in this calendar year towards things like foreign student demand and immigration demand and both on local levels, but also on the national level to see, are we going to have some sort of reversal in the demand side fundamentals? I'm not saying it's going to happen, but it's something that is definitely piquing my interest and, and also I think the entire housing sector. Certainly you're just seeing more, like the two, the two big news stories right now is the housing side <laughs> supply and then also you know, Mark Miller, the immigration minister, these are the two dominant issues on the table right now. So could something change there? To Max's point on the supply side, if one thing's going to change, I think, well, perhaps as a continuation of what's already happening is in markets like Toronto, where most of the new supply is condo investors, like they've been selling their units. They're cash flow negative, pretty deep territory in a lot of cases. The units that are coming up for mortgage renewal are facing huge increases and the units that are coming up for completion as new rentals are seeing mortgage costs, condo fees, taxes that are significantly higher than what achievable rents are. So some of the trends that we're paying very closely to right now is the number of units that are being put up for sale by investors. They're up significantly this year and it's created pretty soft resale market conditions. So as that's happened, you're actually removing rental supply from the marketplace. So if there is some slowdown in demand, you know, on the population front or, or because of a, you know, a weaker economy that also restricts supply. And that's something we've, we started to see pretty meaningfully over the last few months. It's a big jump in the number of investors that are looking to sell. Again, that that removes rental stock, presuming that these units don't get bought by another investor, which is a good bet given the current appetite for investing in, in the market right now. Well, guys, I think that's a really good place to end it, looking into 2024 and what to expect. 
Uh, once again, David Isaacoff, Max Simon from rentsandcommentals.ca, Sean Hildebrand, president of Urban Nation. Maybe we'll have this conversation this time next year when we look back on 2024. I'm sure we'll have a, a lot to say once again. I mean, yeah, thank you guys very much for your time. I know how busy we are this time of year. To our listeners, the December rentals.ca report is live on our site for you guys to read and see the recent trends that we're seeing. Thank you all for listening. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review to the podcast wherever you listen. Until next time. You've reached the end of another episode of Sink or Swim. Make sure to visit us at rentsync.com forward slash podcast to access show notes, key takeaways, and where you can sign up to our newsletter to receive free bonus content. If you found value in the show, please also remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Don't forget to join us next week for another episode. Thanks for listening.